you have to find the cause of why people get sick. And that is what I did. I would very soon after marry this woman, we would have four beautiful children all born at home, no chemicals, no anything ever put into them. We eat all organic food. We have a very healthy lifestyle. Dr. Jack Wolfson is a doctor who's done seeing patients die at the hands of our current big pharma driven medical system. He has a different and logically proven natural approach to today's critical heart and health conversations. So by replacing the standard of care with eating well, living well, and thinking well, Dr. Jack speaks on alternative care for heart health, cholesterol, mold toxin, thyroid issues, anxiety, depression, sexual dysfunction, long COVID, mask wearing, and more. In fact, he's anti-statin drugs, and he's an advocate for a healthy gut diet, sunshine, exercise, and sleep. You're gonna love this interview with Dr. Jack Wolfson Athletes because this is a no compromise, intelligent, hard hitting interview that brings home and into light a lot of new information. Because if you're tired of traditional approaches to heart health and you're looking for natural ways to prevent heart disease, you're gonna find that inside this episode. Maintaining a healthy lifestyle is crucial for overall well-being, and one area that requires special attention is cardiovascular health. In fact, an estimated 17.9 million deaths occur annually due to cardiovascular health, making it the leading cause of death worldwide. In order to prevent these diseases, it's imperative to focus on three key aspects, eating well, living well, and thinking well. Welcome back, athletes. I'm your host, Sherry Shaban, and with each episode, I am honored to be your coach and guide in the journey to fall in love with fitness and ultimately yourself. My intention in each episode is to help you release the old story of who you are and step into the one you are always meant to be. Through these conversations, together, we will step away from focusing on the doing and step into the being so that health and fitness is not just what you do, but who you are. In this refreshing episode, Dr. Jack Wolfson integrates his experience and expertise in traditional cardiology with a deep commitment to finding the root causes of illness, championing a lifestyle that harmonizes with nature, and advocating for organic nutrition and holistic lifestyle choices. We'll learn his simple strategies to heart health by eating well, living well, and thinking well. And we'll also discuss why he left a successful practice to fully commit to this approach and founded Natural Heart Doctor, where he helps patients prevent, treat, and reverse heart disease naturally. Now, the key takeaways that you're gonna be walking with today is, first of all, importance of sleep, the exposure to sunshine and avoiding environmental toxins as part of the live well concept. Number two, significant impact of stress and emotional well-being on cardiovascular health, a factor often underrated in traditional medical circles. Number three, the common sense approach to health. Number four, addressing the root cause of health issues through lifestyle changes and why that's so important. Number five, the importance of eating organic food. And number six, the cardiovascular benefits of coffee. Oh my goodness, my favorite. And finally, number seven, importance of thinking well and how stress can impact heart health. 
All right, athletes, we are just about to get into it. We're about to meet Dr. Jack, but before we begin, I just want to remind you that if you review and rate this podcast on iTunes, giving me a five-star review and sending the screenshot to Sherry at SherryShaban.com, you're going to receive a $500 voucher to join me in Greece this October, October 12 to 19 in Lefkada, Greece for Transformation in Paradise Metamorphosis Greece, where we're going to be spending a magical week together overcoming self-sabotaging behavior and other non-serving habits that have been keeping you from hitting your health goals. So if this sounds like something that you would like to be a part of, you could also email me at sherry at sherryshaban.com and we can jump on a quick call to determine whether this retreat is the right fit for you. All right, athletes, now, without further ado, let's meet Dr. Jack. Well, hello, Dr. Jack. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sherry. Pleasure to be on. Excited to share my best opinion of cardiovascular health and wellness, the, the cardiovascular disease number one killer worldwide. So it's a, it's a big passion of mine to get this information out there. So thank you again. Thank you so much for being here. And I think the first thing I shared with you as soon as I saw you on camera is like, this energy and this vitality that comes off of you. So there's clearly something here that we need to pay attention to. So I know you're talking about eating well and thinking well and moving well, and I can't wait to get into all of that conversation. And I think first we have to start with your story because you are a board certified cardiologist and you're also anti-statin drugs. And so I know that you have a, a different approach. I know that you are not conforming with what the standard care of, let's say, heart conditions and certain diseases are that you would normally see in your practice. And so I'm super curious, first and foremost, how did you come to the space where you've developed your own methodology and how you now help treat your patients? Yeah, thank you so much. So I'm a board certified cardiologist like my father before me. My father was a, you know, not a DO. He was a cardiologist and I wanted to be just like him. I like to say I was born into it. In fact, when I was in utero in my mother's womb, listening to my father talk to my mom or talk to his colleagues about cardiovascular disease. So I really, I grew up amongst that and I couldn't wait to follow in his footsteps. And that's exactly what I did. I went to four years of medical training, three years of internal medicine, three years of cardiology, I was the chief fellow of my cardiology graduating class, and then I would accept a position in the largest cardiovascular group in the state of Arizona as a hospital-based cardiologist, where I would be for 10 years. So my life was absolutely taking off professionally, financially, and unfortunately for my father, he was getting sick. He was getting sick. He was dying of a rare Parkinson's-like illness called progressive supranuclear palsy, PSP. So we take him to the Mayo Clinic and the Mayo Clinic has, they say, you know, we have no idea why your father is sick and dying. We've got no treatment for your father. And they say he'll be dead within three years on average. And simultaneously and serendipitously, I met this 29-year-old chiropractor and she tells me all the reasons why my father is sick and dying, the food he eats, the lifestyle that he leads, so on and so forth. And everything she said made total sense. I saw the sickness in my father. I saw the sickness in the hospitals. And she ultimately told me, she said, you need to change. You need to change personally, or you will wind up like him. You need to change professionally if you really want to help people, which is why you became a doctor. Yeah. And she need, and she said, you need to become a DC. And I said, wait a second, you want me to become a DC doctor of chiropractic? And she said, no. 
DC doctor of cause. You have to find the cause of why people get sick. And that is what I did. I would very soon after marry this woman. We would have four beautiful children, all born at home. No chemicals, no anything ever put into them. We eat all organic food. We have a very healthy lifestyle. I hope it keeps me as vibrant as possible. And again, I appreciate your, your commentary. I am 53 years young. I feel absolutely fantastic. But listen, the first 35 years of my life were pretty rough, you know, and it puts uh, it puts strain, puts a damage. But you know, I've got young children. I got a beautiful wife. I want to stay young and and vital with you know vitality, clarity, longevity, and that's what we're all about at Natural Heart Doctor. Wow, so beautiful. Thank you for sharing and so much to unpack there. And I think what I'm first curious about is were you doing back then that needed to be changed? So you said, I wasn't eating this way. I was told I need to change how I, and so I would imagine your future wife, was she already eating this way? And that was the influence that was placed on you? You know, it was, yeah, it was like such an epiphany moment when I met her and, you know, Sherry, she, she just unloaded all this stuff, you know, on me on our first date. She's like, your profession is a sham. Your pharmaceuticals are killing people. The surgeries are worthless, everything you do. And I like to say, like, I listened to her, number one, because she's smoking hot. And number two, because I saw the sickness in my father and all around me, but she tells the story so well that on our first date, actually, when I picked her up, I had a can of Diet Mountain Dew in the cup holder of my car. And that's the way that it was, you know, and and I was the, you know, I'm a Chicago guy. So deep dish pizza, Italian beef sandwiches, hot dogs. I drank way too much alcohol. I was never, I would never say alcohol ever really interfered in my life and doing what I was doing. But again, just these other, these living apart from nature. And it's something, unfortunately, that we, embarrassingly enough, do not learn in our medical training. We don't learn about what foods to eat, what foods not to eat. We don't learn about movement, physical activity, except for go be active, you know, go run on the treadmill for 30 minutes a day for six days a week, you know. We just don't learn about the cause of sickness. We learn labels. You've got PSP, you've got Parkinson's, you've got cancer, you've got dementia, you've got high blood pressure, AFib, you've got all these different labels. We're so good with the labels, but we're not, but we've got no clue about cause. So kind of, you know, circling back and ending it, you know, with the statin thing is like people develop coronary artery disease, not because of a statin deficiency. They develop it because of violations of eat well, live well, think well. Therefore, the answer is to fix the eat well, live well, think well. That's the only strategy. That's Mother Nature. That's how we were created in the image of God. That's how we are here. And that's, that's, and it, you know what, Sherry, it's common sense stuff. It's so common sense, but it's just the medical doctors are brainwashed into thinking a certain way. And it's it's unfortunate because billions of people are suffering because of it. Right, right. Yeah, there's so many rabbit holes that we can definitely get in, into. And I have so many questions mm -hmm. also about your methodology. But just coming back to what you said, and, and you're right, it is super simple. Everything I know you're going to share is super simple. And I think what gets complicated is the execution because of all the information that we get from society, but also the consistency that we're able to actually commit to. And so let's just rewind back again. And I, I just want to get into your mindset because I'm super curious. I also come from a line of doctors. My parents were doctors. 
doctors, my brother's a doctor. And so they, I notice, have a very particular mindset around diseases, around the body in general, around medication. And so here, yes, you met this amazing woman who maybe showed you or shed a new light, let's say, on a different way to approach health. But why were you so receptive to it? Why were you personally so open to that? You know, again, I would like to say that it was because of my father's sickness. And I would like to say that I've always had some inkling about, you know, diet. Back in 2000, when I was a cardiology fellow, I went to a the American College of Cardiology meetings, the biggest cardiology meeting in the world. And then uh, up on stage was the late Robert Atkins versus Dean Ornish. Mm -hmm. So one guy is a high fat, low carb guy. The other guy was a low fat, high carb guy. And I saw those two go at it and they hated each other. They absolutely hated each other. But I walked out of there. I'm like, wow, this guy Atkins really seems to make sense to me. Now, of course, there were many people who would have walked out of there and been fans of Ornish. But he spoke to me. The universe spoke to me as far as what the truth and reality would be. But I never really followed up on that whatsoever. Again, I'm like single guy living in Chicago. Then I'm a single guy living out in Arizona, just living that kind of lifestyle. And then when I meet, you know, again, you know, Dr. Heather and I started reading different books. I would read Nutrition and Physical Degeneration by Weston A. Price. I would read anthropology, paleontology literature and say, you know, this, this hunter-gatherer lifestyle thing, this ancestral way of eating, it doesn't matter what science says or not, really. And science, of course, the word is absolutely mutilated at this point in 2024. But it doesn't matter what someone's study shows. It's just look into nature. You look at shows today, like alone, naked and afraid. They're, they're living a certain way. There are paleo peoples that are out there today. And in any case, a lot of that stuff just clicked for me, for me, for me to make that epiphany change. And it was exciting. I was also, I don't even want to say I was an amateur athlete. Like I was not, you know, I mean, I was, you know, I would play, I would play beach volleyball and I would do triathlons and I ran a couple marathons and, you know, always liked to be active in the gym, you know, growing up in the 1970s, like Arnold Schwarzenegger was like, was my idol. And of course, all the Rocky movies, this is before your time. So you probably don't know what I'm talking about, but if you want to, if you want to pause and you want to Google it, you can Google what I'm talking about. Rocky. Stop it. Conan the Barbarian, all this old stuff. Okay. So, uh, it was exciting to me. And my wife will tell you this, like when, when the world opened to me in this way, all I wanted to do was read more and more and more. And it was just this total enlightenment for me. And it was very exciting. And of course, I became very excited to share this information with my patients. Now, here comes the problem. As I start talking about this is the food you should be eating. This is the lifestyle you should be eating. This is the the lifestyle you should be leading. These are, you know, pharmaceuticals, not, the, you know, you start looking at the pharmaceutical data with a more critical eye. And then you share this information with patients. And then of course, patients go back and they tell other people. Now they go back and they tell their primary care doctor. I went to see the cardiologist you recommended. He said, I should stop eating, taking statin drugs and I should eat this way and live this way. And now the primary care doctor gets upset and the primary care doctor calls the head of my cardiology practice and said, what's going on with Wolfson? Why is he talking about this paleo diet? Why is he talking about this lifestyle? Why is he taking my patients off of pharmaceuticals? So the head of the practice sits me down in 2012 and he says, listen, 
you're a wonderful doctor. You're one of Phoenix, you know, you were voted Phoenix, Arizona's top doctor in cardiology 2011. The patients love you. The people love you again. You know, the nurses, everybody talks about you, but some people don't. Some people don't like what you have to say. And I personally, I believe you, the woman who's going to become my third wife, she's all natural. She's, a, you know, she's totally in all this stuff. But here's the deal. I need you to stand down because it's bad for business. The referring doctors don't want to refer to you or the practice. I need you to stand down. And I said, I quit. Wow. And I left. I left. And I, and real, I mean, I left a job, not because I'm bragging, of course, but to talk about the waste and how much uh, American cardiologists make. I left a million dollar plus year job, guaranteed money, no stress whatsoever. You know, I mean, stress with patients and, you know, medicine and, and I mean, acutely ill people of which there is stress. I'm not diminishing that, but the security of all that, I said, I'm done. And it's been 11 years and I've never looked back one second. Wow. Wow. So this just in itself speaks so much of your integrity and just how authentic you are as a person and what you believe in. And it's super interesting because also what I'm hearing you say is you're almost going backwards to the information that we've had in the past. We're learning from hunter gatherers. We're learning from older civilization, civilization that are actually still on the planet and still living this way and eating this way and moving this way and rejecting maybe more modern science, because as you know, there's always these constant studies coming out around nutrition and the way we should be eating and all of these new gadgets and, and new ways of measuring vitality and all these things. And so you're actually going backwards and you're simplifying things. And so what does that practice look like now for you? So you, I assume, don't prescribe medication and you're teaching people instead how to eat well, how to live well, how to think well. So what is your practice now looking like? Well, I do, um, I've been doing a lot of virtual since 2012. Mm -hmm. There's not many cardiologists who think like I do, certainly not the exact same as I do. I do prescribe pharmaceuticals in certain situations. I mean, there are, there are a time and a place. Ideally, we would all say, okay, well, let's eat well, live well, think well. Let's test, don't guess, using the most advanced testing in the world. Let's use evidence-based supplements and then the biohacking strategies, as you know, of which there are like infinite number of things we could do in that arena. When and if those things fail, then there is a time and a place for pharmaceuticals. And, you know, bless the men and women who work in emergency rooms and trauma centers. But for chronic illness, of course, they have nothing. Statin drugs are a failure. Blood pressure drugs are a failure. Aspirin is a failure. All these things, the diabetes drugs, the weight loss drugs, they're all they're all failure approaches. Now they can provide a band-aid. A blood pressure drug can drop your blood pressure from 180 to 1, you know, 20. But the question really, whenever we take any kind of therapy, is we're looking for outcomes. We're looking for hard outcomes. Will it make me live better? Will it make me live longer? Will it make me have a less risk of having a heart attack and stroke or cancer or whatever it may be? And when you look critically at the data, you really see that there is a very limited benefit to most of our therapies. There's no benefit to some of our therapies. There is a danger to some of our therapies. And, and this is not even talking about the side effects because everything else has, has side effects with it. So interesting. I, I was working with a client this morning and she's, she's amazing. She's actually, since, since the summer, she's made a lot of changes around not just her mindset and the way that she actually perceives food and her relationship with food, but also lifestyle habits. And so 
her doctor, so she's on metformin right now and she's pre-diabetic. And so her doctor put her on a semi-glutide, Ozempic, and started a small dose. And that just ended up constipating her and giving her other issues. He put her on a higher dose that went the other way. She was violently ill being on it, not really releasing a lot of weight. And she went to go see him last week. And even though she's now in a smaller size, she's lifting weight, she's made all these changes around nutrition, he still feels that she hasn't lost enough weight. And now he's wanting to put her on another semi-glutide that's coming out here in Canada. It's not yet been approved or, or even on the market yet. And I'm just, what is going on here? What is going on? And, and why are we pushing these medications on people who are actually making sustainable changes in their lifestyle? And why can't we just be patient to see what the outcome is considering this has been what, four, five, six months that she's made these changes and already seeing progress. So what is, what is maybe your take on that? What is your perspective? Well, I can't really speak you know, much to people's motivation in Canada. I really can't. In the United States, I will tell you that in my history of dealing with pharmaceutical companies and pharmaceutical representatives, of which I have very, very, very limited exposure now, because I'm not, I'm not a consumer of theirs, so therefore they don't want to talk to me, and I don't want to talk to them, and everybody's happy. Uh, in this scenario, though, when I was a, you know, when I was in practice, you know, we got wined and dined by pharmaceutical companies all day long. I love to tell this story. In 1988, I was a senior in high school. And for spring break, we went to Maui. My father and mother, they sat first class round trip. My brother, sister, and I, we sat in coach. We stayed at a beautiful hotel. All the meals, all the beverages, all the excursions, everything was, was just absolutely fantastic. And it was 100%. The entire thing was paid for, courtesy of pharmaceuticals. My father spoke Wow. One hour, wow. one hour, one hour. So again, the, the pharmaceutical industry is the most powerful industry in the world, probably secondary, you know, to, you know, maybe to banking and to the military complex, but right there, I mean, pharma is right there. Pharma is a marketing company. These are marketing companies. They are not innovators. They're not scientists. They're pure marketing people. Pfizer, Merck, Sanofi, I mean, Bristol Myers, you know, you name it. They are the marketing arms. And that's just the way it is. So, you know, so it's no surprise again. And this has been going on since 1910. This goes back to the Flexner report. This goes back to the Rockefeller, Johnny Rockefeller. And it's in the literature. You can call it conspiracy theory or you can call it common sense. It's just, uh, you know, society has been commandeered. By, by the people who do not want our best. They want control, they want power. Uh, and uh, again, maybe not to get too, you know, too woo or too out there, but it almost, some people believe, and I'm not sure what I believe in this scenario, but that these, these people who are in control, they want to totally change who we are as humans and remove us, not to get too religious here or too spiritual or too out there, but to disconnect us from God, change the fact that we are built in the image of God. And if you change us enough, we become different. You change the children of God. And, you know, listen, one final thing here, if I may, Sherry, we live in a time right now where it is absolutely critical to question everything and have the freedom to question it. 
So when you and I are you know, discussing this and some strong man who works for Trudeau comes in and, and censors this podcast, and I tell this to people all the time who are, who are all about mandatory XYZ over here, you may not be on the right side next time. You may not be on the side that you wish to be on. So be careful when you give up the power and the freedom to those who control us. So good. So good. I just have to hold space for just a moment here for what you've shared, because this is so, so spot on. And this is a reminder that we actually have agency over our own health. And it is exactly what you said, this inability to question what the doctor said. And this is this is what's really interesting. And I always have these conversations with with my parents and my brother. Anything that the doctor says is going to be truth. And I've seen this, I've seen this, I've been in the health and fitness industry for 25 years. I've seen doctors tell people, stop exercising, even though there was a better way to do that. I've seen doctors put people on the cookie diet. This was like 20 years ago when, remember the cookie diet that replaced meals? I've seen that. And I've seen doctors push weight loss medications, different types of weight loss medications on people. And it all seems to be addressing the symptoms of the root cause of the issue, which is our lifestyle, which could be adjusted by lifestyle. And I think now would be a great opportunity to talk a little bit about what that looks like and maybe get even to the details of what living well and moving well looks like for you, Dr. Jack. Yeah, you got it. But you know, it's, it's just so important really to that freedom of the conversation. Why can't we, if I want to talk about paleo and someone else wants to talk about vegan and someone else wants to talk about vegetarian and you want to talk about natural health and immunity, go ahead. And someone else who doesn't, you know, you want to talk about, you know, a certain religion or you want to talk about a political affiliation. Okay. Like let's, let's just talk it out and let's, you know, and then, you know, let's go from there and, and really, you know, trying to listen to others and where they're coming from. And that's perfectly fine. As it relates to nutrition, I'd like to say this, no matter what nutrition you follow, no matter what diet you're on, whether it's the cookie diet or it is the ice cream diet, grapefruit diet, vegan, vegetarian, paleo, keto, carnivore, make it organic. Get the chemicals out of your food. I don't know too many people who, unless they work for Monsanto or similar, who say, no, you should be eating more food with glyphosate. You should be eating more food with fertilizers and pesticides like DDT. You should be eating more atrazine-rich foods. You should be eating more artificial foods and artificial flavors and colors. You know, Sure, that's what it is. It turns out energy is low because you are deficient in aspartame, right? I mean, like that's what it is. So can we all agree to eat organic food? And I don't have to tell you, so many people pay lip service to this. You're based up in Canada. When I was up there speaking in Montreal, I find the organic restaurant. I find the place that is farm to table. The guy who opens up a can of sardines on the airplane. Right. Oh, <laughs> And nobody likes that guy. Nobody likes that guy. That guy. My wife is that guy. My kids are that guy. And we impact so many people negatively or positively by doing these things. They see my little girls, our little girls, ages six and three, and they're eating avocados on the plane. They're having a hard-boiled egg on the plane. They got like their little seaweed snacks, you know, that they eat. They got the cut-up apples. And we turn down, of course, all you know, airplane food. So let's just start with that. You know, with going organic and really doing it to the next level. Hashtag no excuses. 
Not and, as well. I hear you. Say. Yeah. Yeah. So from there, all the literature I've read, all the common sense, everything that I see tells me that we should be hunter gatherer, ancestral paleolithic type eaters. That's and and to that end, if we could tell people instead of avoiding certain foods, although I avoid those foods and I would encourage others, but focus on eating the foods that you should be eating. So focus on wild seafood. Say to yourself, you know, on a daily basis, I'm going to try and eat some seafood. Now that could be sardines, it could be anchovies, it could be wild salmon, it could be clams, oyster, shrimp, lobster, crab. It could be a supplement. It could be salmon roe, wild Pacific salmon roe inside of a capsule. But getting that into your diet, people with the highest levels of omega-3 from seafood have the lowest risk of everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just the way that it is. Mm -hmm. So if we can eat a lot of seafood, and then the next thing, of course, is nose-to-tail animals. Mm -hmm. And my favorite in that realm is an bison. American grass-fed, grass-finished bison, just a spectacular, majestic animal. If you spend time around them, I was on a, a bison kill a few months ago with my boys. We slaughtered the bison. We were with members of the Lakota tribe. We blessed the animal. We butchered the animal right there. We passed around the heart and passed around the liver and passed around the testicles and did the whole thing and just ate it all raw. So... If we can do those things. Can you say that last part one more time? You did what? You ate all what? We ate all of the organs raw. Wow. Raw. Okay. Like our ancestors did. So if we can, and if we can put some of that into, hey, let's focus on, if we focus on what to eat, then a lot of the foods we shouldn't eat should start to get diminished. Me personally, I'm always gluten-free. Mm -hmm. I think gluten from wheat, barley, and rye, it's not necessary for health and wellness. It's something that I was exposed to for the first 35 years. I don't eat it. It doesn't serve me any purpose. I do believe there are many negative health ramifications from it. The other thing is that we, uh, from a sugar standpoint, I don't eat any processed sugar. I raw honey and I will eat fruit. Right. So I'm not trying to deprive myself of having sugar. I don't think that that's realistic. I don't drink alcohol anymore. You know, I, I, I have a fair amount of, you know, green leafy vegetables and we do some starchy carbs and stuff like that. But from a sugar standpoint, and there's really some amazing recipes. There's a lot of companies, as you know, that put together raw honey type products. So that's how, that's how I roll with that. And I think it's the I think it's the best way. I think it works for my patients. I think it works for me. I love the concept of intermittent fasting. We drink super clean water. We add minerals to our water. I drink Pellegrino water. I am a coffee fan. In fact, I created my own company for coffee because I, a lot of cardiology patients, a lot of heart patients were told not to drink coffee when the doctor, right? The doctor says, don't drink coffee. But then the doctor goes back in the lounge and has coffee out of a styrofoam cup, you know, that's like four hours old out of the coffee pot and some poison coffee. So we talk about all the cardiovascular benefits of coffee which is in the literature. And then we sell a product that is mold mycotoxin free, glyphosate free, and you know, all organic. And 5% of the proceeds go to an organization called, which is actually out of Canada, called Friends of Hunter and Children, started by an orthopedic, no, a oral surgeon by the name of Jim McCallum. 
He's up outside of Toronto and he's been doing this a long time. So 5% of all, again, proceeds revenues, you know, go towards that, uh, you know, that, that group of people. Amazing. Oh my goodness. Okay. So first I'm a big coffee fan. So is this possible to grab it in Canada or is this just in the U S can we only order this coffee in the U S yeah, no, we can, we, we can ship it. But I mean, really the key is you're looking for, you're looking for coffee that has been certified mold mycotoxin free, because that's a big conversation inside a living well, which is, you know, mold mycotoxins, environmental toxins in your home and in your food and stuff like that. So that's one thing. And then of course, making sure that there's no pesticides in your coffee as well. So that was critical to us. But as far as the heart benefits, you know, we see that people who drink coffee, they have a lower risk of high blood pressure, lower risk of stroke, lower risk of atrial fibrillation, cardiomyopathy, sudden cardiac death they also have less cancer and less dementia so and that's and that's when they're drinking the garbage stuff so if you're drinking the good stuff now right you know caveat there you're not going to add artificial sweeteners and you're not going to use some kind of like synthetic creamer or whatever you know if you want to use raw cream from grass-fed cows i'm cool with that don't try and milk a buffalo. If you try and milk a buffalo, you'll be dead. So don't do that. Don't try and milk a giraffe or whatever. Because you know, we have a lot of conversations right about dairy and whether or not dairy is paleolithic food. It's not. Now, can we? Can most people consume raw dairy and actually get health benefits from it? I, I mean, I certainly think so. We do it in our household, not often, but you know, we do it. So that's, you know, raw cheese, raw butter, raw cream, yogurt. Uh, fermented uh, kefir, right. other possibilities. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I know that the, let's say modern or, or the typical definition of paleo diet is no grains. So do you incorporate some grains into your diet that are gluten-free? Uh, we'll do a little bit of buckwheat. We'll do a little bit, you know, brown rice. Right. We'll do some quinoa. So, and again, I'm certainly not a botanist and I'm not really, you know, as far as, you know, well, what's a, what's a grain? What's a seed? You know I mean? I don't know. I mean, I just, uh, you look back and you say, what did our ancestors eat? Yeah. They certainly were not eating bags of oatmeal. They certainly were not eating bags of walnuts and they were not doing corn and soy and rice. They had no ability to process that. Just if you want to spend a nice Friday evening watching a couple episodes of the TV show alone, you will see how people existed out in the wilderness. It's just right there. And the vegans who show up on the show, they, they either convert to meat eaters and or seafood eaters, or they quit the show. No society in the history of the world has been vegan. And I, again, it doesn't matter what all these talking heads would say, because everybody has their agenda. And like you said, initially, there's so much data and information, both in the studies and anecdotal. You get online, oh, I've been carnivore for six years. I feel the greatest ever. Everything is better in me. And you'll find vegans who say the same thing. It's almost, Sherry, as if someone said to us, you know, instead of breathing air, and oxygen, I think you should start breathing helium. Helium is the way to go. It's 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 just it's it's lighter, you know, and it gives us more energy. Like you would laugh at that person. So I don't know. I mean, I think we beat the you know the the food thing, you know, to death over here. It is only one component. It is well, but the live well and the think well are equally as important and potentially more important, uh, frankly, than uh, than the foods that we eat. Right. 
So let's talk about the think well. We have an idea of what the move well will be. And especially if we start to look at, let's say, hunter gatherers, there was a lot of walking and movement all day. And now we see that, let's say, in modern society, we are seated most of the day. We're sedentary most of the day. Everything is being facilitated to us to death. In fact, we don't have to move very much to have access to food, to have access to anything that we need, shopping, right? So now we don't have to move to do anything. So what about the think well? And it's, it's super interesting that you've added think well with move well and eat well as well. Yeah, so I guess just for clarity, move well is inside of this live well. So mm -hmm. live well is gonna be sleep, sunshine and outdoor activity. So I love the idea of moving well and movement outdoors. Mm -hmm. Then inside of live well is also all the different environmental toxins and pollutants. Holistic dental care, chiropractic care, that's all the live well. And then when it relates to thinking well, the this is incredibly important because I've talked to so many people over the years and you know, 40,000 patient visits. And when someone's had a heart attack or a stroke or heart failure, I ask them, what precipitated this? What was going on with you right beforehand? And invariably, there was a stressful situation that was occurring. In fact, so much so there are medical diagnoses for example, there's one called Takasubo cardiomyopathy, which is a broken heart syndrome that is more common in middle-aged women. These women, they suffer an acutely stressful event. They suffer a myocardial infarction. We go in there with a catheter, take a look, look for plaque blockages. There's nothing there. It most likely is one of two things or a combination of both, a sudden spasm of one of the coronary arteries that supplies the heart, or there's a blood clot that's there that sometimes spontaneously lyses or breaks up or a combination thereof. But it's the stressful event, the broken heart syndrome or the Japanese word for octopus is where they got the takasubo from because the heart looks, it's almost like an octopus shape, but whatever, that's where it's from. The other one is spontaneous coronary artery dissection where the artery just shears right off. And that is a, you know, one of the most common causes of heart attacks in premenstrual women. Illicit drug use would be number one, and this would be uh, number two after that. So, you know, again, th these, these ideas of how we think and how that can manifest in disease, this is all very well known. And then how can we be proactive about it, either before the first event or after the first event and say, okay, yes, you had a stressful event that led to the heart attack wasn't the only factor, but it was a factor and the precipitating factor. But what can we do to prevent another one of these episodes going forward? So how do we think well? We do that by many different ways. And this is, of course, not where I was trained at all. And there are specialists in the think well category, but it is about finding your happy. Happiness in your relationships, happiness in your community, happiness and, and your spirituality, your gratitude, your purpose, your passion, your safety, your security, all these things go into it. But now the other side is against that. They want to generate fear. They want to generate isolation and divisiveness. And they want to generate anxiety and depression in us. And they do that through a variety of ways. And then they sell us the pharmaceuticals to deal with our insomnia and our anxiety and our fears and our worries and our phobias. Medication, all that. 
Wow. Wow. So, so much to unpack. And this has been such an enlightening conversation for me. I have to tell you that I've learned a lot from you, Dr. Jack, and I feel like we could still keep going, which means I'm likely going to reach out again and get you on the show because I feel like there's more here. And so let's say to the listener who's ready to take actionable steps after hearing this conversation, how could you direct them to maybe start their journey or what could they get started with? Let's say, even if they don't have the means to start to purchase organic foods, and they're just looking to start to move towards health and vitality, what could they do? Well, you know, you know uh, number one is getting more sleep. You know, sleep deprivation is one of the most, you know, cruel things that you could do to someone. That's how they torture prisoners of war and stuff like that, right? So sleep, you know, getting better sleep. Our ancestors went to sleep with the sun down. They woke before the sunrise, watched the sunrise, watched the sunset, spent all day in the, in the sun. Our skin is a solar panel. So that's free strategy. It doesn't matter if you live in Canada or you live in the Caribbean. The more you get your solar panel outside into the natural light, your eyeballs, right, are, are solar panels, and that's all free. The, the movement aspect is, is free. You know, go, you have to join a gym. You can go outside and walk. You can, you know, jog. You can hike. That's all free. You can invest in a bicycle or a stand-up paddleboard or a kayak, or you can garden. You can do all different kinds of things. You can pick up a rock and throw it over there like our ancestors did, you know. You can do all those things. And I think those are pretty easy steps for people to do. So go to sleep a little bit earlier, get outside a little more often, plan those walks, whether it's in you know, a morning, noon, or in the afternoon. I think those are good strategies to start at. And then, you know, I do want to take an opportunity to say these environmental toxins, the toxins from, from living in a, in a sick home or a sick building, whether that's volatile organic compounds, VOCs, or it is the carbon monoxide from natural gas and things like that, or it is mold mycotoxins and bacterial toxins from water damage. I just want to throw that out there because that is just critical information that people need to know. Wow, so good. This is amazing. You're absolutely incredible, and I'm so honored to have you share your Thank insight you. with us today. And so if someone wanted to reach out to you or learn more from you, where could they go to do that? Go to my website, naturalheartdoctor.com, and check it out. Lots of information, lots of free information on there. We got courses, we got doctors. You know, listen, cardiovascular disease, number one killer worldwide. We're the home of the 100-year heart. Prevent, treat, reverse disease while getting people off of pharmaceuticals. And if you're, we got a really good statin paper on there as well about the dangers of statin drugs and the lack of benefit. About to go into a high blood pressure course that starts Coming up pretty soon, I've got that information as well. And high blood pressure is a not a problem in and of itself. It's a sign that you have a problem that you better fix. Wow, amazing. Thank you so much again, Dr. Jack. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fall in Love with Fitness. Whether you're already on your fitness journey or just getting started, we're in this together. Just head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review, and you'll be entered into the drawing to win my six-week transformation course. Then go to fallinlovewithfitness.com and get your free gift from me so you get back your energy and reinvigorate your life. Join me on the next episode, and remember, you are an inspiration.